Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For all NBA Warriors, you are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. We're back. It's Matt and Justin. Golden Spaces. Odyssey original podcast. You know, you know. Anyway. um, All right. The vibes are starting to get better. The vibes are starting to get better. Um, I don't know. I think it's because it's Sunday. But I'm getting over my, my beverage being stolen. So let's talk about the game. Uh, there's so many to me there's so much to talk about because this was like what people were deeming a finals rematch which I get it they were the two teams in the finals but it's like there was all this buzz about like the Celtics looking to get revenge and you know and it wasn't just the media like Celtics players were sort of like sort of made certain comments and I'm just like ah! so then for you to come in and I mean obviously, Jalen Brown understood the assignment. But Tatum had a rough night, right? And so, like, that has to be a little defeating, no matter what people say, because you have the best record in the league, right? You're coming in. People are calling y'all the best team in the in the NBA. Tatum is, if not, one of the front runners for MVP. And you come in on this stage against a team that's straddling 500, even though we know the, the Warriors' record is fake. Like, I tweeted this, like, the Warriors are the definition of, or they're, they're exception to the rule that you are with your records as you are, because, like, they're not, right? And we know that. People are going to say, oh, you're Warriors fans, you're just homers, you're being biased, but we know the Warriors are actually much better than their record, right? So, mm-hmm. but you're coming into a team who basically people are like, oh, the Warriors don't look so hot this year, blah, 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 blah. And you come in and you lose. And pretty much the Warriors had control of the game, the whole game. Like, it wasn't like it was, like, close and you just lost on a buzzer beater and it was the end. Like, you know, even when they made a little run, that was fake. That was a fake run. It wasn't real. Like, the Warriors had control over the entire game. So that has to be, to me, in my opinion, a little deflating for the Celtics. So why don't we, like, just start there? Like, how meaningful – I don't know for the Warriors – is it a meaningful game or is it not a meaningful game? They definitely they definitely were ready for this. Like, they wanted to make sure they came out and won it, right? But, I mean, for obviously a Steph, a Dre, a Clay, they've been here, done this. But, like, is it more meaningful for the young guys? Or, or like, what do you think it means for the team? Um, I think it's meaningful for both teams. Um, obviously, it's a regular season game, and all it ultimately matters is either – a a W or an L in your win loss column. But I think the different dynamics 
like surrounding the game definitely add more meaning to it. Um, for the Warriors in, in particular, you you needed to see yourself beat one of the better teams in the league, right? Obviously, they did that. They did it at home, and they need to get some more road wins. But they they've had a rough go of it so far in the season, and, and did it without some, Wiggins, and did it without Wiggins, right? And they've they've had some good wins, but like beating the the best record in the NBA, the team that has the best offense of all time statistically, and the team that's looking like they are, um, you know, just poised to go straight back to the finals and blitz everybody and and, and win the championship and right the wrong, but you go out there and you essentially dominate them the same way you did the last two games of the finals. And, you know, obviously game four was more of a Steph Curry job, but um, yeah, that, that was just a good, huge morale boost after two bad losses. Um, so it definitely meant a lot for the team as a whole. And I think Steph said so after the game, he said, we we've shown that we can compete with the best in the league, which is obviously like a very um, like humble statement. Like obviously you can compete with the best. You just won a championship, but um, you got to see it happen, right? For for you to really be like, all right, we we still here, you know. We send a message to the rest of the league, and then for the young guys, for Joku to go out there and had a game that he had, I think it's a confidence builder for him that he can just keep building on. He has another test coming up. He potentially is going to have to match up with Giannis. Posterized <laughs> Tatum though. He did posterize Tatum. He's, I hate he's that it had to be Tatum. I hate that it had to be him because I like Tatum. Right, right. But I love it for Joku because it's like, damn, I got I got one of the best players in the league. Like, put him on a poster. Um, and it was one of those, like, it wasn't yeah. like a sneaky one. It was like, we going uh-huh. up at the same time and you're going to have to block me. And he just put it on his head. So, um, yeah, great for him. Hopefully he can just continue to build off of this. Uh, I think Moody came in. He wasn't, like, terrible. He was probably, like, about a neutral. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, confidence builder for the young guys and then just like reassurance for the older guys to be like, all right, we know we can we can play with these guys. But to actually put it together like this is huge um, for them. So when am I going to stop seeing Anthony Lamb on the court? Hopefully soon, to be honest. Like, I understand. I mean, why he do, right. do you? Why? Why do they play? It's because he's a bigger body that can stretch the floor. So it allows their lineups to reflect more of what they want to do, which is put Joku on the ball, um, have Draymond be more of a facilitator. And then Lamb just fills in the gap with somebody who can stretch the floor and guard bigger bodies. And he's decent at the point of attack. He's, he can move his feet and stuff like that. Like he's a he's just a flat out better option at the four than Jermichael. He's a better option as a big than obviously. I never want to see Jermichael on the court again either. Right. So it's just more of a reflection of like they don't have a lot of options in the front court um, rather than like he's actually like a legitimate NBA rotation player. I but think. how did he miss stuff? How does he miss stuff? <laughs> like because people's like Steph was yelling, he was calling, he was clapping. But forget all that aside. Right. You're on the court. You have the ball you should always be looking for stuff, right? Like, that's just what you should always be doing. He didn't right. even turn his head that direction. You look to the left, you ain't see Steph. So, nigga, look to the right <laughs> and fucking look for Wardell, Stephen Curry. Like, what is going on? Yeah, he's he makes some good passes sometimes, like the good basic passes, but his he gets tunnel vision a lot, too, and he'll catch it and just launch a contested three sometimes. I'm just really done with it. I, I just want an actual rotation piece in that spot so we can like not worry about it anymore. Because um, he is what he is. He's a two-way player, so he's going to have good moments. And it, most of his moments are going to be either neutral or bad. So I'm just – I'm ready for that experiment to be done. 
So, yeah. Does does Jason Tatum have like a block when it comes to the Warriors? He might. Do you think? I don't like to <laughs> say that. And I, I really like Jason Tatum. I do. Like, I'm a big Jason Tatum fan. And I'm actually, because some people seem to like, I feel like I've said this before, but like every time it seems to shock people. Like today I said it again on the TL and Warriors Reddit was like, what? You know, I was like, I'm a Celtics fan. Like they're my second favorite team. I like the Celtics. Mm. And you're like, what? You know, I'm like, why are you not allowed to like more than one team? I don't understand. The Warriors are my team. They are. But I really like the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. As far as Tatum, he he might have a slight mental block, but I also think the Warriors are just perfectly equipped to guard him, like more so than other teams. Super switchable. And then, you know, Clay had his probably his best defensive game of the season. Um, he put him, he pinned a shot in the glass once and he was just making it tough on him. So we got a bunch of guys that can at least be close to his size. I think Tatum is probably closer to 6'10 than 6'8, but um, we got a bunch of 6'7, 6'6s with long arms that are strong that can stay in front of him. And throughout his career, he hasn't been the best like finisher in traffic, he hasn't been the best pull up mid range jump shooter, especially contested shots. So we just force him into those type of shots and you know, it's just a game that he really doesn't want to play, but he has to against the Warriors because they take everything else away. Um, so, and I, and I, and I said the other day, like you have to be truly, truly unique as a player to have consistent success against the Warriors. Like I'm not going to say Tatum is going to continue to have bad games forever against the Warriors, but um, the, the people that you've seen historically give the Warriors a lot of issues on a consistent basis are usually people that are like, physical specimens like LeBron, right? He's going to, even if you take something away from him, he's going to always be able to punish you in transition because he's so strong, fast, and jumps so high, right? Um, somebody like even Jokic, right? Just physical beast, like so tall and strong. Luka Doncic is really, really big. He can get to the paint whenever he wants. Meanwhile, guys like Harden, who's had game, good games against us, doesn't have him every single time he plays because he's like, he he just don't, he doesn't have a lot of counters to his game and he doesn't have any physical advantages against the Warriors that he can consistently exploit. Um, so he kind of resorts to like grifting and trying to get fouls and you don't get those in the playoffs. So he gets some stinkers from Harden. And I think Tatum kind of falls into that category almost where it's like, he doesn't dominate them physically. He can't just bully his way to the rim and finish. So he's going to have to consistently hit very, very tough jump shots. And he's just, nobody's going to hit those. Like nobody's going to hit those. So I think, it is some type of mental block there, but I think it's also a schematic thing and it's a personnel thing. It's just not a great matchup for him. I see. Jalen was cooking, though. If Andrew was out there, I don't think Jalen would have been able to cook like that. Maybe he could have. Maybe he could. I think he had a hot game. I think they turned the Warriors over a few times and he got out in transition. That gets people in rhythm. Um, we've seen him cook in the finals for – a few games and then we also seen him just get strapped up the next few games. So I think he's one of those type of players and he's the second option on that team. So the Warriors usually, you know, make sure they shut down the first option or they, they tailor their defense to the first option and let the second option cook a little bit. Uh, so he's a great player, but I don't think he's going to score. What did he score? 33, 31 or whatever. I don't think he's going to average that against the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, but both these teams were shorthanded. So we know what Andrew brings. But, you know, a lot of Celtics fans were whining about not having Al Horford and Rob Williams. I'm like, but 
Y'all been playing all season without Rob Williams. So they've been playing all season without Rob Williams, and they've been crushing teams without Al Horford too, based on the the numbers. So I really don't want to. I don't want to hear that. But <laughs> assuming those both, assuming we see this team again in the finals, I mean, we're going to see them in January, and I don't know what the state of everyone's team will be. Um, but it seems like Rob is close to coming back. So let's say he will be on the court and that we're healthy. What additional dynamic and element does Rob do Rob and, and Al bring to the team? Uh, well, Rob is the hell of a rim protector, right? So some of those backdoor layups that the Warriors got might not be there. Like it might seem like it's there. And then he's the type of player that can just cover six feet of ground in no time and erase your shot at the rim. <laughs> So that that definitely makes it more challenging. You know, a lot of Jordan's like inside the paint game was was going for him. And I think that might not be as available with Rob Williams there. And Al Horford, obviously, offensively just brings a different dynamic as far as stretching the floor. You obviously got to respect him a lot more than a guy like Blake Griffin. You know, Blake Griffin's been kind of shooting well this season. Al Horford is just a different level of, of player. And defensively, he's just a little bit more switchable, all that type of stuff. Uh, so they definitely make a difference. I don't think that was the reason why they got dominated like that. You know, um, I think it all boils down to Tatum smart and Jalen Brown being able to make consistently good decisions with the ball in their hands. And they've shown that you, they can't be trusted to do that against the Warriors. The they defensive just, player of the year, he didn't look like he had nothing for stuff. Yeah. I mean, with the, the thing with Boston is like, sure, like if you put Marcus Smart on Steph for the whole game and he never switches off, maybe he can make Steph's life a little bit more difficult. But I, this is this is why perimeter players, when it comes to defense, don't stack up as much to like forwards and bigs, because all you got to do is call for a screen and the perimeter guy that's a lockdown guy is just out of the play. Like <laughs> how many times do they just run at Marcus Smart through a screen and now he's on somebody else and Steph is just cooking whoever gets screened onto him. Like it, it, that's why I'm not really moved by Marcus Smart or a Drew Holiday or these guys that are supposed to be super elite lockdown perimeter guys for Steph. All you got to do is call for a screen. Like bye. You know what I mean? If you don't switch the screen, somebody's going to be open and you're done. Like so a guy like Rob Williams is always going to be more valuable to defense than Marcus Smart, um, especially against the Warriors. And even if you don't, like, Drew's interesting because I always bring him up because, I mean, like, Marcus Smart is, like, important, obviously, to the Celtics. But I feel like him and Drew are important to their teams, like, in different ways. Like, they're both needed for defense. But Drew's also needed to be, like, their third option on offense, you know? Um, And I'm like, if he's out there running around chasing staff, you know, like all night, like then mm-hmm. like he's already an inconsistent offensive player. So like because of that, so you're going to get nothing from him if it's a, if he's like, you know, on someone like Steph all night. That's why oh, when yeah. people that's how people talk to me about the Bucks. I'm like, they don't move me either. Yeah, I mean, Giannis, will have to, Giannis will have to average like 40, um, in my opinion. Obviously, they would have to actually play the games and we would have to see it shake out. But they run drop. Steph is going to just blow Brooke Lopez's face off the whole um, series if they play. Um, Giannis is going to have to go one-on-one with Dre and see Looney behind him and all this type of stuff and average 40 points and 15 rebounds and eight assists and be by far the best player on the court for them to beat the Warriors four times, in my opinion. I think we have more than enough wings to make Chris Middleton's life very difficult. And like you said, Drew Holiday is going to be so preoccupied trying to chase Steph around and Clay around all these screens 
that I'm not sure he's going to have the legs to provide a ton of value offensively. And he already struggles with that being a consistent offensive guy because of his job on defense. So um, I think we are a bad matchup for Milwaukee. I'm excited to see how the game plays out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, Marcus Smart and Drew Holiday are all in the same boat for me. I don't think, I don't know if we're going to have Andrew back for Milwaukee. I didn't realize that his injury was so significant. I mean, it's not significant. Like we won't get him back for the season, but I think they're saying he probably needs like a good solid two weeks to recover. Yeah. Anything in that whole pelvic strain adductor. So like his groin. Okay. Like a groin muscle. Um, Anything, like I said, in that pelvic complex where it's like a, a hamstring, an adductor, all those things are tricky. They take a while to, re- to recover, and it's pretty – it's not, like, super painful where you can't play. Like, I'm pretty sure if they were in the playoffs right now, he'd be playing. But it's just one of those things that it might take a while to to be pain-free. So they're probably just waiting for it to be completely pain-free, which is the smart thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I know if Andrew's not playing, it's real because, like, he's so sturdy yeah. and he likes to play and he doesn't take off. So I know it's something real. So I just want him to get better. So I'm okay with that, but – that will be a little bit of a tougher matchup, obviously, without him on the court. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all matchups are tougher without him because he he does so much for the team. Um, but, yeah, that that big matchup, obviously, is going to be Draymond and Giannis. Joku come in. Let's see if he can get a little bit of Chris Middleton. Um, yeah, if Clay defends like how he defended on Tatum last night on, on Chris Middleton to start out the game, then I think they'll be in pretty good shape. And he might because they have two nights off. Um but look, this is one this is one of those times where even though I hate injuries, I think this is like a good thing for Kaminga because mm-hmm. it's similar to like when Steph went down and Jordan got all that time. Like I think this yep. is only gonna help Kaminga. I really do. For sure. I mean, Jordan has been like kind of the beneficiary of not to say beneficiary, but he's been the guy that step in whenever some whenever either Steph or Clay's been injured for the last two, three seasons, even twenty twenty one. Obviously, he wasn't starting. It was Kelly. But second half of the season, he was getting a ton of run because they didn't have any reliable guards. And he grew into his own. And then he started most of the games last season to start the season and, you know, started to end the finish the season as well. So similar, similar path for Jonathan Kaminga here. And, yeah, let's just hope he can just continue to build and do the things that he needs to do to help this team win. All right. Let's let's break here. Um, when we get back, I want to take a deep dive on Kaminga though, and also um, Pool's game and 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 the players. Let's dig into those a little bit since we sort of already previewed the matchup <laughs> coming up. Not intentionally, but we did. So um, let let's get to the individual play of some of the guys and that big win over Boston. So we'll be back. You're tuned into Golden Spaces, Justin and Nat. 